So, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Hoosier State Happening. So, I'm Adam, and as always, I'm here with Joey. Joey, how are you doing today? Not bad, Adam. Just getting back into the flow at work. I was off for the last 10 days. Just got back from a weekend trip to St. Louis where I got to watch the Cardinals win, which they don't do a lot of anymore, it seems like. But excited to talk some sports with you. Yeah, it's interesting. You talked about going back on vacation. You know, I've been back at work for a little bit, about a week or so, just doing some trainings and stuff. And today was my first week of or first day of school officially. So it's going to be an interesting year, to say the least, with my kids. I've got 22 of them, and hopefully I can do everything I can to help them steer themselves in the right direction. Uh, Knowing you, I have no doubt that you'll get them where they need to be. Yeah, so this week we don't have as long of an episode as our podcast was. I know for all of our viewers that was probably a bit of a handful considering our glorious 40 to 50 minutes of talking just Colts, which, again, I think people now really know what we're capable of there, and we could have surely continued. But I'm just going to go ahead and jump right on in, and, you know, we'll talk some Pacers basketball first. So this week, I think one of the biggest highlights that actually happened was from one of the Pacers players. And so I don't know if you remember Kyle Guy at all. Does that name ring a bell to you at all? Yeah, I remember him playing at Virginia just because he was one of the guys that broke my heart when they beat Purdue in the Elite Eight a few years back. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but Kyle Guy is actually from Indiana and, in fact, was a Lawrence North High School grad. I I actually didn't know that until I saw what you're getting ready to talk about, and I did, I learned that this week, and I was pretty shocked by it, honestly. Yeah, I knew he was that he actually had played with him, you know, a little bit in high school or not in high school, but you know, in Sacramento. But I guess I didn't realize that Kyle guy ever made it to the NBA. Cause you know, he was one of those names that it's like, man, this kid was a phenomenal talent. And I remember like when IU was going after him, it's like, if we could land this guy, it would be amazing. But you know, this week, Kyle guy actually asked Tyrese Halliburton as a favor to join a local pro-am team in Noblesville alongside new pacer Obi Topin. So despite being a team that looked like with those three that could win it all, they were probably one of the more talented teams. They pretty much immediately got knocked out. But what's of interest to me and what's notable is how well Halliburton and Topin played together and they connected really well. There's an awesome clip online of Halliburton just passing the ball to Topin. Joey, did you happen to see that at all? I did. It looked like it was like almost a full court or full court pass down to him, wasn't it? Yeah. It, I mean, it, we knew what Halliburton could do with passing the ball. And it's funny because we talked about on the podcast a couple weeks ago that it's like, you know, Halliburton wanted to get him to Indy. Like he wanted to get Topin and ready to run it up. So, I don't know what their background story is about what's made them so close. I want to dig more into it and find out. But, you know, for me, I just, you know, it gets me excited to think about what types of plays the team might be able to run. Now, granted, Pro-Am talent, you know, those are good players still. But imagine what they'll be able to do with the whole team around them on the court and, you know, performing. Because I think these were three-on-threes from what it sounded like. Right. So with that also, 
Halliburton had this to say about competing. So he said, simply, I think it's good for the community, for the face of the franchise to show up and play. So what are your thoughts about pro players playing in, you know, local pro-ams or more local base games? I know that uh, your boy Kyrie Irving runs the Drew League and plays. I know there's, you know, the big three where, you know, former NBA players compete. What do you think about current players you know, having an active role in stuff like this, though. I mean, I, I could see it as being beneficial. You just mentioned the fact that Tyrese Halliburton and Obi Topin got that opportunity to build that chemistry before the, you know, the official Pacer season even gets underway here. So in that aspect, I think it's a huge plus for them. But also, too, I just want to dial it in more on Halliburton himself. You've mentioned it, even I think even as early as last week, his desire to bring a championship to the Pacers because that's just the kind of guy he is. He wants to be one of the guys that, you know, ultimately achieves that that hasn't been achieved yet for the team. And it seems like he takes it outside of the team also. He cares for the community. And the fact that he was willing to step up and participate in this and even, you know, get Obi Topin to join him, I think speaks volumes to just what he thinks about, you know, the, the community. Um, at this point, I think the appropriate term for Tyrese Halliburton is gym rat. I want yeah. you to like seriously think about it. He's getting ready to do Team USA. He's doing local programs. He's been training all summer, despite what he says. You know, he might have celebrated one night, and that's what he means by partying. Because that's the type of guy he honestly seems like to me, given that he's also like 23. So right. who knows with that? But again, you know, what this says to me is just how did, like you, you know, alluded to, this guy is determined to play his heart out. And again, I think, it, you know, this to me is an awesome story, you know, because it's not like people are paying high dollar to go to these programs, but it gives locals that maybe can't get out to an NBA game to see some local talent. Because in addition to those players, Trace Jackson Davis also took, uh, you know, or he attended this pro-am as well. And again, his highlights were just as outstanding. He was rebounding and dunking everything in sight, which again, doesn't surprise me one bit. So unlike, you know, our players, he was not eliminated in this first game. Ultimately, because the Indianapolis star blocks me, I couldn't find out who won that pro-am. But again, I'm excited to see Trace Jackson Davis continue to prove to people that he will be an adequate player. So well, in my not, mind, just, I'm not just him proving that this, I mean, you've mentioned several times just how important Trace Jackson Davis was to the state of Indiana. And that goes outside of Hoosier fans also, I would argue. And the fact that people in the community got one more chance to see Trace Jackson Davis, you know, as Trace Jackson Davis, because the next time he's playing in the area, it's going to be as a member of the Golden State Warriors so the fact that they got that one last opportunity, and like you said, maybe for those that can't make it to an NBA game or can't make it to a Pacers versus Warriors game, they get that opportunity. And I think that's that speaks volume also to just what Trace Jackson Davis still thinks about Indiana. Now, I know the, that this event was attended, and the quote was by hundreds, not thousands. But again, it's, it still speaks to me that you can also, you know, get – a chance, you know, like for kids and, you know, local people to really get, you know, dialed into like local events like this. Like 
I'll be honest, if I would have known that this was a thing, I would have wanted to attend it. But I think it just speaks, you know, volumes that there were people that were, you know, well-versed on, oh, this is getting ready to happen. I, w- I wish I knew how those channels were, you know, communicated. But, right. you know, I'm just excited, you know, that there were people that got to see all of them certainly play. But while we're talking about Halliburton, the Pacers talk is going to kind of continue. So Jim Bolin, who was a consultant, former coach, and now is assistant coach again, is actually on the committee to select members for Team USA. And that's actually along with Purdue head coach Matt Painter as well. So what's interesting to me is, you know, they're still constructing this team and there were new members that were kind of looked at for the week. But here's my big question about this. So Halliburton, as you are already aware, is on the team and we've talked about him, you know, training and getting ready for it last week. But do you think that he's a lock for this roster and do you think he starts or do you think he's the top backup? So one thing I want you to keep in mind is that Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green are two of the other point guards on this team. And I think Jalen Brunson as well. But I, I couldn't find if his name was still there or if it was something that, you know, had kind of, you know, dialed back and maybe he's not on it. But looking at all of those names, including Brunson, where do you kind of see Halliburton falling into the thick of things? Well, I, I'd say there's a pretty good chance he makes the roster. I mean, he's been selected for a reason, but – as far as starting or backup, I think he has a fairly good chance of starting. I think the guy that I think could push him the most for that starting spot is probably Cade Cunningham. But just given the names that you listed, I I don't see a reason why Halliburton couldn't lock up that starting spot. Well, and what I would say too, you know, with Cunningham and Green, they were actually just announced to the roster this week. So that means that Halliburton had already previously been announced, meaning that he was – a definite shoe in to make the roster. Now I know that I asked the question, is he a lock? I certainly agree with you with yes, but I do think that he is a likely starter at point guard. And I think it's more for that ideal of he is a pass passer more so than Kate Cunningham or Jalen green. And I think that's what kind of separates him out. But uh, Tyrese Halliburton has a nasty three point shot. So again, if he's not passing, he's going to find ways to get open as well to try to get himself a few three-pointers in those games. And we know how good at him he is. So I do think he's the starter. But obviously, I, I like the connection with Jim Bowen there. I think it can kind of help his chances. Doesn't, you know, guarantee anything. But, you know, like we talked about with just a second ago, Halliburton's playing in pro-ams. He's been getting his body ready for this. I, I think there's a good chance he starts. So in other interesting news, and this is actually something I can update. So I talked about, you know, in my notes that Derek Queen has announced that he's going to be making a weekend visit to IU later this summer. But that has been updated that Derek Queen and Liam McNeely both together from Montreverde Academy are going to come to IU the same weekend. So, Joey, I'm going to actually add a question to this in just a second. So as the second best center in the nation behind Flory, do you think that, or what should IU do to woo him? You know, this is more of like a casual question. What does IU do to woo him? And does a weekend visit seem to suggest that he's highly interested or do you think it's typical for a prospect? So I know I packed a lot in there. I apologize. (laughs) 
Well, if I'm IU, the first thing I'm doing is I'm pointing at Trace Jackson Davis. Yes, at the fact that he just got drafted to the NBA. I know it was a late draft pick, but I'm also pointing at Trace Jackson Davis and that legend status that he's received around Bloomington and not just Bloomington, around the state, really. And I'm I'm making sure he's aware that this could be you. You could be your name could be up there with the likes of him and all the greats that have come before him. And I'm using that to my advantage. And you talked a few weeks ago about Mike Woodson and his approach on recruiting. And he's like, make it to where they can't say no. And I don't know what it will take, but that's where I'm starting if I'm IU. And then the second part of that question, as far as him, you know, spent or taking a weekend visit, I do think it's pretty typical for prospects to do, but they're not going to do that if there isn't at least some interest in the program. So I think it's a good sign that, that he's coming along and, evidently bringing a friend too that you just mentioned and if if i'm correct this is the academy you said that i use already received a recruit or two from in the past didn't you yeah jalen hood shafino and malik renault right so again i i ask your question or ask all these questions because you know as the iu grad you know my answers are going to be a little bit different to the what should iu do to woo him i think you know Yes, there's the Trace Jackson Davis part of it. I think there's Mike Woodson, that NBA pedigree. Those are going to be points that I think definitely stand out. But if I'm going to Bloomington, I'm doing three things with these recruits. And I'm going to do one thing last, and you'll see why in just a second. So the first thing that I am doing is I'm, I'm trying to take them to downtown Bloomington and to some of the better restaurants that they have on campus. You know, Mama Bear's, you know, you look at, you know, all the big, you know, food ventures. There's every type of cuisine down there that you could possibly get your hands on. So I'm trying to get the players to go to dinner somewhere. We, you look at their interests. Then, you know, after that, you start kind of taking them down, you know, the campus. You take them somewhere where, you know, they can really get a, a sense of everything. And then the final nail on the coffin for me is I'm taking them to assembly hall. I'm showing them, you know, all the awards. Like you kind of talked about, you know, looking at all the greats that have gone through there, letting the players soak in that potential environment. And then I'm taking them on the court. Because again, you know, the players, I think there's a a sense of awe that you get from walking into Assembly Hall. I, I think it's personally, and this is just me, one of the most beautiful basketball facilities in the country. And that's NBA and college, I might add. It's it's a great place to watch games. But I know last year, IU really tried to get, you know, players to go to, like, Hoosier Hysteria. I don't know if that's the weekend they're going down there or not. But I'd imagine that IU is going to roll out the red carpet for these two. Because here's the thing. If I, I think IU goes after McNeely first, they try to land him. He's not rated quite as high. He's still a four-star prospect. But if I can get McNeely to go down there, I think this is another scenario where at that point, like you said, with Woodson not letting players say no, I don't think he'd let Derek Queen walk out the door if he got McNeely to commit first. So well, That's definitely a fair point. And I honestly, because I know McNeely's already put IU in his top eight, and I believe Queen has as well, you know, like you said, there is a legitimate shot. But I think IU will roll out the red carpet for these two also because, again, Khalil Ware is probably going to be gone 
And the Ball State Center, who I cannot remember his name right now, that sounds kind of bad for me, you know, I don't think he is the starter. I think he's going to be a rotational player on scholarship for them. But again, Queen is considered the bet, the second best center in the country. So that's kind of where I think the weekend takes them and how they get wooed. But I guess like I was kind of curious about visits too, because it's like, I know what, when a regular person takes it, it's like one day. So I don't, I didn't think, think I, you would try to pack everything into a day. So I was kind of looking at the weekend as it's like, yeah, this is a good sign. But when I heard the update that both of them were going together, that to me really suggested the interest for both of them, because I think they're going to make a decision together. I think they're both trying to play at the same school. That's kind of just my gut feeling. Well, if they're taking visits together, then I definitely think that's a high possibility. So hopefully that ends up being the case. Because if we can land McNeely, he's a great forward, great three-point ability, you know, and then Queen is obviously a great prospect himself. And, you know, we are going to lose Trey Galloway at the end of the year. We're going to lose Kyle Ware. We're probably going to lose McKenzie and Bakko. So you're going to lose three prospects. You need to find some sort of guys to bring in. And so, again, I think you, you solve two of your starter problems just by trying to get these two. So I think that – and I have heard that when IU had thought they had lost out on Flory, they really started turning their attention to these two. I think Queen is the guy they ultimately want. And for what it's worth, I love Flory as a player, but he's very raw. Derek Queen is a bit more developed, and so I think that's a really good sign if IU can find a way to woo him. But I think I think McNeely's the way to getting Queen to come. And so, you know, I'm sure it's, you know, commonplace in college that you go after a lower prospect to try to land the higher prospect. And that's yeah, what I find. definitely interested to see how that plays out. But just two more small points here, just kind of continuing talking about basketball. But um, IU offered five-star 2025 forward Jameer James this week. So this is more of a curious question just to get your opinion on. So because it is two years out, do you think that this offer being so far out helps or hurts teams who are after prospects? So offering them early like this, do you think it puts IU more in his favor or do you think it hurts them when, you know, his other schools start coming along and it's like, oh, IU offered me early, but I don't really care about that. I I don't know that it would really help or hurt. If it was going to do one, I would assume it would help, you know, because that's something that is going to be back in the mind of the young, not just in Jones himself, but in players in general is you think back once you get all these offers and you think, oh, well, they were one of the first ones to make an offer to me, so they really do want me there. But I think it, there's a case to be made that it does help. But at the same time, I don't think it really does either because you just mentioned it. If he's a five-star, he's going to be flooded with offers by the time he is coming out of high school. And in today's day and age, I mean, you see it all the time. A, a, a person will verbally commit, and I put that in parentheses, to a program only to back out and go somewhere else. So at the end yeah. of the day, I'm not so sure that it's really that big of a deal, but I can see why it can help just with the player themselves having that conviction of, okay, they must really want me there. They were one of the first ones to make that offer to me. Yeah, certainly. And, and I would say, you know, in my mind, I agree with you, you know, echoing your idea about, I think it helps 
when players start knowing what their options are, they can start kind of planning around that. I know that like, you know, you're familiar with this process as well. You know, colleges start our junior year trying to send us mail. It's like, Oh, we want you to come here or, Oh, we, we really want to get you to come in for a visit, that type of thing. And and that comes, you know, just from like, you know, regular people like us. But I think when you're a basketball program and you start making offers for prospects, I think that elevates the process a little bit because then it's like, you know, I got to decide, you know, what, what's the best scenario for my future? Where, where does playing time go? What gets me to the NBA or to the most successful path? Do the, does the university offer degrees, you know, and I, and I'm not saying this as a joke, you know, what's the lifestyle like culture, you know, I remember playing, you know, old college football games and it's like, you know, each university was ranked for that. And then like players would have their preferences of what they were looking for. And you would have to try to woo them for that. And obviously since I played as Texas in the old days, you know, I was able to get anybody I pretty much wanted, but I think it's different when you're IU because yes, you're known as a basketball school, but is that the player's focus or is there something else they're after? So I do think it's smart for teams to certainly offer that, but I could see my, like you said, with the concerns of offering so far out, if something they think better comes along, it's like, you know, IU get shot. But of course, at the end of the day, most college basketball programs land two, maybe three recruits, four in a big rebuilding year in order to get people. So I like that IU is also continuing to look at big names. Gone are the old days under, you know, what's his name? The guy that I can't stand from ESPN radio, Uh, Dan Dackage. Thank you. Oh yeah. So, you know, gone are the days of him and Tom Crean and, you know, the other guy who I can't stand uh, Archie Miller that couldn't recruit, you know, for anything other than of course, Archie got trace Jackson Davis. But beyond that, Again, I I like Woodson's approach to this. You know, he's not afraid to go big and he's offering big players. And that's something that as an IU fan, I can appreciate. And I, even from the outside looking in, I can appreciate that as well. So one more final point talking about IU again, but Terry Morin won a gold medal with the FIBA under 19 team this week. So again, I just want to extend a congratulations to her And what I will add to that is that I think that this could make an interesting, you know, scenario as she continues to coach this team or be an assistant coach to maybe use it as a way to get recruits since they're under 19 players. That's an excellent point. Actually, I hadn't thought about that, you know, part of it, building that relationship with the, with the ladies on the team that could definitely benefit the IU program in the long run. And yeah, they've actually landed some really good four and five star recruits in the on the women's team as well. So they're going to be ready after Mackenzie Holmes leaves at the end of this year to rebuild again. And I think, you know, the in-state player, you know, her name will come to me. I, I want to say it's Sydney something, but like all she does is, and this is a, basically a quote of her, she talks, breathes, and lives basketball. And that's pretty much like her entire existence. And so she is a very self-driven player. She's going to come in and replace Mackenzie Holmes at her position, respectively. But again, I like this for Morin. Obviously, it's good news for her and could even lead to some good news for IU. 
Yep, absolutely. And I'd also like to echo your sentiments of congratulating her on the accomplishment of the gold medal. So, with all of that being said, do we have anything else we want to add? I can't think of anything on the top of my head. No updates about Jonathan Taylor or the Colts situation we want to throw in there, too? Nope. I've been refreshing Twitter, and I haven't seen anything else. So, with that all being said, I guess that's going to wrap things up. So, as always, you can find us on HoosierStateSports.com. We're going to continue to try to press out some articles. I know I have been behind, and it's been a terrible excuse. It's been almost a month. I think July 3rd or 4th was my last article, so... We're going to try to get back out there for everybody. But again, until next week, God bless. And have a good week.